Well, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. And if you have a smart device, you have the YouVersion Bible app on there. If you go to the, the More and then Events, the notes are all in there. So let me ask you a question, just a moment of, of absolute honesty. How many of you have ever doubted something in your life? Ever doubted? How many of you have ever doubted your spouse's ability to drive? You ever been there? Don't point, but yeah, all right. How many of you have ever doubted your own ability to drive, right? <laughs> How many of you have ever doubted direction someone gives you? You know, say, oh, go here and here and here. Are you sure? I, you know, I don't remember. Yeah, you ever been there? Have you ever doubted a commercial that you see on TV? Yeah. Don't you love those ones where someone surprises their spouse with a brand new vehicle in the driveway, and they're like, oh! Or, I like the one where they have two. You know, there's like $200,000 worth of vehicles sitting in the driveway. Oh, I'm so impressed. <laughs> My wife would be like, what did you do? Why did so, so I want to talk, we're going to start a new message series today called The War of Doubt. And what I want to talk about is, what do we do in times where we doubt God? Because if we were honest, all of us have had times in our lives when we doubt God, right? We've all been in situations where we say, God, are you really there? Are you really, what's going on? Why is this happening? And so we're going to talk honestly about what we do in those times, those times of doubt, because they're difficult. And a lot of times when we doubt God, we feel what? We feel ashamed. Why shouldn't, you know, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't doubt God. So we're going to look at some times in Scripture where people have doubted and how the Lord has worked through that. So what we want to do today is say, what do we do in those times when we're waiting for God to move? What do we do in those moments where we're waiting on God and where maybe we're having some doubt? So in your Bibles, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 11. Now, just a little bit of background where we're at. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, I believe. There's a relation between his mom and Jesus' mother Mary. So they were related And John the Baptist was prophesied all the way back in the book of Malachi where he said, someone is going to go ahead of you to prepare the way for you. So John the Baptist was born, and you remember the story when Mary was pregnant, she went and stayed with her cousin Elizabeth, who was John's mom, and when Mary walked in, John jumped in the womb because he realized Jesus was there. I mean, they're that connected. And so John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus. He was baptizing, that's why they called him the Baptist. I'm sorry, Baptist is what I usually say. I'm from Missouri. It's not the proper pronunciation. But um, so he was baptizing people to prepare them for Jesus' coming. Well, then Herod, who, or Herodias, who was the nephew of King Herod's relation there, <laughs> they were having an illicit affair. The king was, ran off with his brother's daughter, who was married. And John said, you know, that's not legal. You really shouldn't be doing that. Well, she got offended and had John arrested. So where we pick up here, John the Baptist has been waiting in prison. And so if you look in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in the towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Let's pause here for a moment. (laughs) What was John saying? Did I make a monumental mistake when I told people you were the Messiah? Because I'm having some what? Doubts. I'm in prison 
for doing your work and you're out teaching and you haven't come to rescue me because you know jesus could have just snapped his fingers and the cell doors opened up right or he could have just you know done the little star trek transfiguration thing and made john appear out of prison he could have done that because he's done that in the past but he allowed john to sit in prison and wait so said are you the one did i really blow this And Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. So Lord, we pray this morning as we look into your word that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, let every word have its intended effect. Lord, work in our hearts today and help us, Lord, as we have doubts sometimes to be honest with you about those and come to you and have those removed from our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do we do in times like this? When we're like John and we're hopefully not in prison, but we're waiting for God to move, God is not doing things the way we think he should. What do we do in those times? Well, the first thing we need to do is realize that we all have doubts. Every one of us have doubts at some point of our lives. If we were honest, we would say, yeah, there are times I have doubted God. I might even be in one of those times right now. You may be sitting there saying, you know, this virus thing has really shaken me. It's really messed with me. And guys, all across the world, churches had to shut down this summer. Remember that? And there are people who quit going to church, who really gave up on God because they said, well, if God can't handle a virus, I I don't think I want a part of that. They didn't realize how God was working through that. And so it really shook a lot of people. There are people who have died. I I went to the doctor the other day because I thought I had strep throat. Turned out I had a cold. But he said, you know, you you have a virus. It might be the coronavirus. And, you know, you might die. (laughs) Thanks. You know, he said, you know, young, healthy people die. And older people who aren't healthy live through it. It's just a weird thing. (laughs) Thanks for that. That helps a lot. Um, I didn't. I'm still here. But... We all have doubts. We all have times where we are shaken. And we have to realize that doubt is a natural, normal reaction. Doubt is a normal reaction. It's a normal thing to have that. When things happen, it's perfectly normal to question those things, right? It's normal to ask questions. And sometimes, when we're in periods of time like John the Baptist here, it's normal for us to say, does God really care about what's going on in my life right now? Does God really care? Is God angry at me? Is he really who I thought he was? We all have in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul tells us the temptations in your life are no different from what others have experienced. But God is faithful. He won't allow temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so you can endure. In other words, Paul said everybody has these same problems. Everyone is tempted. Everyone is tempted to doubt. Everyone is tempted to sin at some point in their life. We all have these things. So please, if you're here today and you say, you know, I'm struggling. If you're watching at home, you say, Pastor, I'm really struggling right now with doubt. You're not alone. We've all been there. We've all come out the other side of that. So it's a perfectly normal thing. Don't feel like you're wrong. And here's the thing. What did Jesus do? Did he say, well, John, you're not the man I thought you were. May as well pack it up. Well, you can't go home because you're in prison. May as well just leave it there. No, he answered him, didn't he? He said, go back and tell them this is what's happening. You were right. You're doing the right thing. 
So guys, when we doubt, Jesus is not going to say, well, you're off the team. Bring in the second string. No. He's going to answer that. He wasn't upset. He wasn't mad. And we have to choose how to respond in times of doubt. We have to choose how we're going to respond when doubt comes. Are we going to give up? Are we going to just call it a day? Are we going to sink into depression and just stay there? How are we going to respond? The great thing is, it's our choice. It's our choice what to do when we have those times. We get, nobody else gets to choose that for us. It's us. It's up to us. And guys, some people, when things happen, when, when times come and, we, and God is not doing what we think, what do they do? They walk away. Sometimes people give up. Sometimes people turn to other things. Alcohol, pornography, affairs, those things. They say, I'm just, this isn't what I thought it was and I'm done. So we choose how we are going to respond. And guys, we choose what to believe. We choose what to believe in times of doubt. When we come into these times of doubt, we can say, well, I just don't know. But we say, you know what? I'm choosing to believe that God is good. I choose to believe that God is who he says he is. I choose to believe that, like we talked about last week, God did it once. He came through in the past. He can come through what? Again, I choose to believe that. It's up to me. I choose to believe that God cares for me. I choose to believe that God is with me. And you say, well, that's a great church answer, Pastor, but how do I do that, right? I have to learn to trust. You know, I, um, I'm a volunteer firefighter. I've been on, but when I started, it was a little scary, right? When I was new, I remember I went to my very first fire. It was over here, kind of close to Kozad. A guy's barn caught on fire, and I was brand new. They just gave us this gear, and we went through some training, and they said, you know, you have to trust your gear. You have to trust your equipment. And so I get to that first one, and they said, hey, rookie, go over here and start picking these poles up and move them out. And they were kind of, you know, still really hot. And I said, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I said, just trust your gear. You'll be fine. I said, so I went, I bent down, and I grabbed the first thing, and it didn't burn me. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And over the years, I've had to learn, yeah, you can trust this stuff. You know, when we're crawling into a house, I have to trust that stuff's going to do what it's supposed to do, right? Same thing in faith. I know that God is good. I know that he loves me. I know that he cares about me. And when I go through times of trial and tribulation and doubt, what do I have to do? I have to choose to believe that he's with me. Because sometimes you feel really close to God, right? There are times you feel really good, you feel really close to him, you feel his presence. There are other times you think, he's not quite there. I don't feel that. In those times, we choose what to believe. So, how do we do that? We have to understand that God works in his ways. We have to understand that God works in God's ways, not in Rex's ways, not in our ways. God works in ways that he knows is best. There were uh, two cab drivers met in the city. They were in a big city, and one of them looked at the other guy's cab. And he said, why in the world is your cab painted two different colors? He said, well, I, I painted it yellow on the right side and green on the left side. He said, why did you do that? He said, well, you know, when I get in an accident, nobody can agree on what happened because <laughs> they all think they saw different things. That's one way to do it, right? One way to work. Well, we have to understand that God works in God's ways, and God's ways are not always mine because the Bible says God's ways are what? 
higher than mine. He understands way, way, way more than I do. He knows what's going to happen. So I have to trust that I can be doing God's work, you can be doing God's work, and we can still what? Suffer. We can still doubt, and we can still suffer. John the Baptist was doing exactly what he was supposed to do, and where did he end up? In prison. Well, maybe he wasn't doing exactly what he was supposed to. <laughs> well, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. So I think Jesus was a fan of John the Baptist, right? He said, hey, <laughs> one of the greatest men to ever live, and he's in prison. So when we're doing even the right thing, guys, we can still what? Suffer. Even when we're doing the right things, we're living according to how God says, we can still have doubts. There are times that God is working and we don't see it. There are times that God is doing exactly what God needs to do in our lives and it doesn't feel good. Right? We look at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph was the the second youngest in his family, and he was his dad's favorite because he'd been born in his old age, and his dad liked him more than his brothers, and he showed that uh, in different ways. And Joseph had a dream that he was going to be king one day, and his dad and his brothers were all going to bow to him. Well, being an immature young man, he went and told his brothers, hey, one of these days you're going to bow before me. And they said, really? And so they made sure that in their own strength that that didn't happen. They sold him as a slave, and then he did the right thing, and his boss's wife took a liking to him, and he wouldn't sleep with her, so she told on him, and he got thrown into prison, kind of like John. And during this time, do you think Joseph ever had doubts? I would say so. But then eventually he becomes second in command of all Egypt, and his brothers come and bow before him, and then, you know, the dream was fulfilled. During that time, he was doing the right thing every single time, and he still what? Suffered. He still had times of doubt. He still had times where he's saying, God, what are you doing? Why am I here? Why am I stuck in prison? And you guys may be saying the same thing. God, why am I stuck in a real difficult time in my marriage? God, why am I stuck in this class or this professor who hates me and hates religion and hates God? And why? Why is my boss such a jerk all the time? Why am I stuck here? Why can't I get a better paying job? We're all, we all have those times, and we have to trust that God is still working, even though we don't understand. And we, had, we must not make the mistake of mistaking God's apparent silence for his absence. If you're interested in this, Andy Stanley has a really good series on uh, Right Now Media called In the Meantime, and he talks about this exact thing. We can't mistake God's apparent silence for his absence. Even though God might seem silent, he's not absent. And he's really not silent, but he's what? He's working. We have to trust that God is working, even when it doesn't seem like it. Even when God is working and our churches have to shut down, he's still what? Working. Even when it feels like things are going the wrong way, he is still working. Guys, at the point that John the Baptist asked Jesus this question, are you the one who was supposed to come? You know how long he'd been in prison? Most scholars believe he'd been in there over a year at this point. So he waited a while. Some say it may have been a year and a half. He's waiting in prison for doing the right thing, and eventually, what happens? He loses his head, literally. He gets beheaded for doing what he was supposed to be doing. 
Jesus was still working because through that, it was a great testimony to people. Joseph waited years and years and years and years and years and had to be asking lots of questions. And then Jesus tells John this in Matthew eleven six: God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. What does that mean? In other words, while it seems like God is not working, we have to make a decision. Am I going to trust that he's still with me? Or am I going to walk away? And Jesus said, God blesses those who don't walk away during those times of difficulty. God blesses those who stick with it even when it's difficult. Just a couple weeks ago, I read an incredible book called The God of the Long View. If you like to read, this is an amazing book. It's by one of our Assemblies of God pastors, David Wigington, God of the Long View. And he talks in this book about how God works, but he doesn't work in our time because God is above time. God created time. He doesn't need to work in a 24-hour day or a 7-day week or a 365-day year. He works above all that. And sometimes God's plan spans years. Sometimes God's plan spans generations. And we see that all throughout Scripture. People prayed and the answer came through someone else another year or another generation. And who knows, this hardship that you're going through might end up in an answered prayer that someone else prayed. God could use you. One of our missionaries overseas got cancer. And he stayed and he died in the Middle East to show these people how to live in faith even when it doesn't seem like things are going your way. And his death spoke volumes to those people about the grace of God. So guys, sometimes God doesn't work in the little time frame we give them, you know. And, and it works the same way when people are sick. We pray for them. We expect God to heal them like that because he can. But sometimes God chooses not to. God chooses to use doctors and time. God chooses to use rehab. Sometimes God chooses to use death to bring total healing to them. So it's tough. God doesn't work in our little time frame, but we can't mistake his, his seeming silence for his absence because he's still there. How do we know that? Because he says, I will never leave you or forsake you in Matthew 28 20 he will never leave us so don't quit just because it seems like God is silent and we must not mistake God's apparent silence for apathy just because God doesn't seem to be working the way we think it doesn't mean he doesn't care it means he's working we remember in the book of John in chapter 11 one of Jesus's really good friends a guy named Lazarus is sick and so his sisters send Jesus a message and say, hey, Lazarus is really sick. And so listen to what it says in verses 5 and 6. It says, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. He what? Waited. And Lazarus died and was put in a tomb. And then Jesus leaves and goes there. And his disciples said, you really shouldn't go because, you know, people are going to try to stone you because, you know, you're the Messiah and they don't like that. And he says, we're going to go. And they said, well, let's go die with them. <laughs> so they go with them. And when Jesus gets there, what does he do? We remember the story. He cries because he loved Lazarus. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead with just his voice. And then guys tried to kill Lazarus again because he'd been raised from the dead. It's kind of a funny story that way. But why did Jesus wait? Because he said this is a testimony. He could have healed Lazarus from where he was because he's done that, Right? He could have just said, Lazarus, get better, and Lazarus would have got better, but he chose to wait. And it wasn't because he didn't care, because it said Jesus loved them. 
So guys, some of you are here and you're in the midst of a situation. Some of you are at home and you're in the midst of a situation where it seems like God is silent. And we're tempted to doubt. We're tempted to say, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he forgot about me. Maybe he's really not as nice as I think he is. But guys, sometimes it seems like he's silent because he's working in the background. And he wants us to grow through this process. So we have to make a decision about what we're going to believe and understand that God works in God's ways. And then lastly, we intentionally guard our minds. We intentionally guard our minds because when we doubt, what happens? Sometimes lies start filtering into our brains, don't they? God doesn't care about you. And sometimes people will help you with that. They'll say, you know, I thought you were a Christian. Why are you suffering? I thought you were a Christian. Why did your car break down? I thought you were a Christian. Why are your kids rebelling? I thought you were a Christian. Why did you say that word when you hit your thumb with a hammer? Hmm? You know, we hear those things all the time, and people will try to help us with that sometimes. So we have to really guard our minds. So we must pursue our relationship with God. We have to pursue Him during those times of doubt. Don't stop reading Scripture. Don't stop spending time in His presence. That's when we need it the most. There's an author, <clears throat> his name is Wade Bearden, he says this, I believe there are at least three kinds of doubt. There's intellectual doubt, emotional doubt, and moral doubt. Intellectual doubt is when our minds are unsure whether the teachings of Christianity are true. Emotional doubt is most often associated with pain. It's when we don't feel like Christianity is true. Moral doubt, the third kind of doubt, usually happens when we're tempted to disbelieve Christianity because we don't want it to be true. When would we not want Christianity to, to be true? Sometimes when we doubt. Sometimes when we're doing something we know we shouldn't be. You know, sometimes when God, it seems like he's silent, we cry out and say, God, I need you here. And other times we say, I wish God would be quiet so I could do this thing I want to do. Right? I mean, if we're honest, sometimes we're, <laughs> we know we shouldn't do something. We're trying to kick open a door that God has closed. And we said, I wish God would stop telling me to stop this. So we have to intentionally pursue that relationship with him. We have to keep at it, even when it seems like he's silent. We have to keep seeking him. Those of you who are married, you know sometimes your spouse gets kind of quiet. And what do we do? We seek after him. Why are you so quiet? Some of you are saying, I just enjoy it. But no, that's not what we do. We seek after him. We say, Why are you, what is going on? What is happening? When it seems like God is silent, we keep pursuing him we keep guarding our minds we keep those lies out and we have to learn from our times of doubt and hardship joseph when he was in prison what happened he grew he learned organizational skills which served him when he became the second in command in egypt when they had a plague and a, a famine joseph learned from those times god taught him during those times of hardship he taught him how to be a man of integrity. He taught him how to organize. He taught him how to make the most of a difficult situation. And guys, some of you are in the midst of hard times right now, and God is teaching you things you're going to need later on in life. God is teaching you. Right? Mary and Martha grew when Lazarus was risen from the dead. They said, wow. Right? It's amazing what God can do. So, 
another writer, Sherry Bell, says, Doubt is a great motivator to fuel the pursuit of God. Doubt is a great motivator for us to push into our relationship with Him. So guys, use these times to grow. And then lastly, we have to remind ourselves of the truth over and over and over again. We are tempted to say, you know, what is going on? Why is God doing this? Why are these things happening? We need to remind ourselves over and over again when we tell ourselves, I'll never be happy again. Nothing good's ever going to come out of this. I'm never going to feel close to God again. When these things happen, we have to remind ourselves, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, God will never leave me or forsake me. Paul says that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. It's in Christ Jesus our Lord. I can, nothing can separate me from that. His ways are the best ways. So guys, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up this morning. And if you're physically able, I'm going to ask you to stand, kind of stretch a little bit. If you're at home, would you stand with us? And we're going to take some time this morning to pray. And guys, some of you are here today and you say, you know, I am right in the midst of that. It seems like God has been silent. It seems like nothing good is happening in my life. It seems like God has forgotten about me and I'm having some doubts. You know, I've been sick for so long and, and this, this crazy virus won't leave me alone and I, I'm tempted to just give up on this thing because it doesn't seem like it's working. Don't give up. Stick with it. So Father, I pray for all of us right now, all across this room and all across the internet, at home, different places. Father, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us today. Lord, there were some of us here in this room, there were some of us watching online, they're in the midst of a crisis in our lives and we're having some doubts. It's so easy to say, I don't see where God is in this. I don't see what good is going to come from this. There are relationships that are on the rocks. There are families who are struggling. There are people who are struggling with their, their health, and they're just saying, I don't know why. Well, Lord, we're just going to come to you honestly with our doubts and say, Lord, I'm, I'm having this doubt. Would you help me? Like the disciples said, Lord, help me with my unbelief. And Lord, I just pray that you would give strength today. Strengthen those who are struggling and let them not give up. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. And if you're here today or if you're watching at home, you say, you know, Pastor X, I don't have this relationship with Christ that you're talking about. I've never started this relationship with him, or, or maybe I did years ago, and I've, I'm not living it. And I want to start that again. Would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? We want to pray with you this morning. So we're going to pray a prayer together. And this is just you talking to Christ. And this is just you saying, I need forgiveness. I need I want a relationship with you. We're going to all pray it together. I'm going to ask all of you at home to pray this prayer today. Just say this with me. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I admit that I've made mistakes. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. Make me new today. Because I admit that I don't have it all together. I need you. Please make me new today. Forgive all my sins and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, the Bible says if you prayed that prayer and you meant that, that you were what? A brand new creation. All the old is gone. All the new is here. 
I'm just going to ask you this morning, you don't have to close your eyes on this, but if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I am struggling today. There's stuff going on in my life, and I'm having some doubts, and I just need God to assure me that he's still with me. I need God to assure me that he's still working. That's you. Would you slip your hand up right where you're at? We're going to pray together. I'm just, I'm struggling. There's stuff going on in my life, and I just need God to work in me. So, Father, I just pray today for all those who raise their hands and all those who are struggling today. Father, would you fill them with your presence, and would you let them know that you haven't forgotten them, that you're still with them. And then even though it seems silent right now, it doesn't mean that you're gone. It doesn't mean that you don't care. It means that you're working. God, would you give us the strength to carry on through these times? Would you help us to trust you in these times of apparent silence? Would you help us to trust you in the midst of hardships and, and just be honest with you about our doubts and, and know that it, it doesn't mean that we're not a Christian. It means that we're human. God, would you strengthen us today? In Jesus' name, amen.